Welcome to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. Evan Roberts, Mike Biseglia. I have to ask a question for you and for everybody listening. Okay. Where the hell are we? Like, where, where are we with the state of this freaking franchise? I, I don't know anymore. It's a funny way to phrase it. And I agree. I've kind of like not forgotten in a sense, but you, the shock came when we saw the sham tweet about Durant wanting out and then all the fallout from that. I think the Celtics could put a package together. I think the package is Phoenix, everything that everybody has talked about. And now it's just kind of like, all right, it's there. I guess when we get to it, we get to it, but I got to enjoy my life. And yeah, it's just, we're just kind of lost in space. It's been three weeks since that news came out, since we were all punched in the balls with the, that's it. That's it. Like it's not that long a period of time, but, I guess we're all now under the impression that however this concludes, whether it's the whole quote unquote, run it back thing, or they're going to trade Kevin and they're going to trade Kyrie, that it's going to take a while that it's not happening tomorrow. So we're at three weeks. We figure nothing's happening throughout July. I doubt much will happen in August and that this is now going to become what to me is my worst nightmare. And that's this running into training camp and then potentially the start of the season, because we've bitched about this before. We have had so many seasons with uncertainties throughout it, whether it was, okay, Kevin Durant's ready to play, but now we've got James Harden rumors. Then it was Kyrie Irving vaccination status, and then James Harden gets traded. Like, I think we're all looking for a clean season, and we're not getting it, whether they run it back or they blow the whole thing up. I do get the impression that this thing is going to drag, drag, and drag to the point where, we're not going to have a conclusion in September or October. And that I think as a fan sucks because don't we want to know where the hell our franchise is going? Yeah. You can mentally prepare and understand what kind of season you're going to have. And I'm with you. I don't expect the Nets to make a deal anytime soon. And as they should not, you know, Sean Marks and Joe cited a lot of things wrong, but at this point we are where we are. And if you're Sean Marks, you can't just make a trade to make a trade. And if the deals suck and they're not good, you don't make a deal and you just wait and you head into training camp. And maybe let's say hypothetically that there isn't something 10 games into the season and Kevin Durant decides I'm not playing and whatever, who knows with Kyrie Irving, but assume he's not there. I'm not playing. And 10 games into the year, a team that's underachieving and has the ability to improve and says, you know what, let's go in. We didn't want to make this trade back in um july or august but here we are now and we're 10 games into the season let's go ahead and make the deal and sean mark strikes then i i think you just have to wait it out you know the problem is that everything you just laid out really feels like the worst case scenario now obviously if they turn around and make a great trade in which they get great young talent back for kevin no matter how it happens i'm sure we'll just say great it worked out but the idea that they could go into the start of the season without Durant changing his tune on wanting a trade without just trading him, like going into the season with uncertainty of, well, we'll just see what happens. You know, we'll hope a team just all of a sudden in the middle of November says, screw it. It's Kevin Durant. Let's just give the Nets whatever they want. That to me, in a lot of ways, feels like the most depressing scenario possible. Like either they have to make a trade or Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have to say, yeah, you know what? We worked things out with the organization. We had some issues. We're feeling good. We're going to go win an NBA championship. I think if you come into meeting the media, and I assume that, you know, the Nets aren't owned by James Dolan, eventually Kevin Durant's going to have to say something to the media, unless there's an about face or an explanation of, yeah, we had our issues, but we're good. How the hell do you go into a start of a season with Kevin Durant saying, yeah, I still want the, I still want to get the hell out of here. Like that, I don't know. How, that's dysfunctional, bro. Oh, that's beyond dysfunctional. It's how it looks. But I, I, at this point, I rather them do as, as dysfunctional as it is. I rather the Nets do that and have Cam Thomas be scoring 20 points per game and the team's three and seven and, and, and go into next year. Because if you're going to make a trade just to make a trade and Harrison Barnes is coming back with some picks, whatever the, the, the deal ends up being right, then your team sucks even more. I rather at least have Kevin Durant suffer as we suffer along with it and wait it out. If you're going to, if, if you want out of here, you're under contract for four years, we will wait and make the best possible deal. There's no point in just making a trade to make a trade. We're going to suck anyway. 
we might as well wait and see if we can get something of, of some sort of value longer when the chips change for the other teams and there's more at stake as opposed to now, which is the deadest yeah. part of the NBA season. At least like, hey, it's it's December 6th and the Celtics are like, you know what? We'll give you Jalen Brown, Robert Williams and picks because we think we got something here. This isn't going as well as we wanted. Let's get Durant and Tatum and let's just roll. Yeah, I I wonder if there's a moment and, you know, I, I can't stand this owner. I blame a lot of this on Joseph side made that clear on the air with Craig. But I wonder if there's a moment where Sean Marks and Joseph Sy call up Kevin Durant and try to make things right, because what has surprised me to a degree if you're going to believe the media reports, and I guess I'm choosing to do so because what other choice do we have? The idea that the trade market for Durant hasn't, exp- hasn't exploded in the way Marx thought or the way we thought. I mean, right. I think both of us thought, wow, there's going to be this robust market for Kevin. We're going to have our options. And then we could debate on which package we prefer. It feels as if as aggressive as Phoenix or Miami or Toronto may want to be, they're not making an offer halfway good enough that you and I would like that Sean Marks would like. And if you see that, at what point as management do you go to Durant and not try to put a Band-Aid on this thing, not just say, oh, let's wait this out and you know hope, like you said, a team stubs its toe and gets the best offer. At what point do we go to him and say, we got to make things right? Because our best scenario now is to just try to win an NBA championship, the same plan we had prior to June 30th, which was run it back. It's what both you and I wanted. Keep Kyrie Irving actually sign him to a long-term deal and try to actually see if this unit can win an NBA championship. Obviously that's their best scenario at chasing an NBA championship. It's not blowing the whole thing up. And I'm waiting and hoping that that happens because as much as I made peace a few weeks ago with FM trade, Kevin Durant, if the offers suck and there isn't a great offer out there, I don't want to cut my nose off to spite my face. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. If I'm not getting Scotty Barnes, which was my dream, then what the hell are you supposed to do? You're probably supposed to try to convince Kevin Durant, hey, this isn't that bad of a place. What did we do to piss you off? Maybe right. somewhere we can meet in the middle and make things right. Well, that that's all of it. It, it. Exactly. And that's why I alluded to the point before is you don't make a deal just to make a deal. But I I worry on two fronts. One, what you alluded to before, I just don't know if this ownership can do that because they are so burned out on what happened last year with the whole Kyrie Irving vaccine situation. I mean, it must have been internally just hell for them, and they are so pissed off about it that they want nothing to do with Kyrie Irving, and we see what has transpired from there with the contract now to Kevin Durant. And let's say in this dream scenario where the Nets management and and, and the owner decide, you know what, our bad. Let bygones be guy bygones. Let's talk this out. Does Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant even say, no, we'll just sit out. Like, do they even say, welcome it back? I, I don't know when, when it's time to ball and things change and you're sitting there and you're bored out of your mind and it's time to get going. Or if it's just like such a pride and ego thing, you see what you said about us. You see how you negotiate with Kyrie Irving. I don't even care if you're coming back to us, apologizing. I don't want to be here. Yeah, it's look right now we're at the part of this offseason and the part of the soap opera where it's just rampant speculation mm-hmm. where, you know, we've all read it over the last few weeks. Some of the rumors are just it's speculating. I mean, the one that went around the other day of, well, Kevin Durant really doesn't want to be traded by the Nets. He just requested a trade to have Kyrie Irving traded. I mean, that's just it's flat out. We're sitting here speculating and. And when we get to the idea of, will Kevin Durant hold out? It's the same thing. Like, we could sit here for 20 minutes and speculate. We could all do it. I I have no effing idea what Kevin Durant is thinking because three weeks in, we still don't really 100% know what he's pissed off about. Is it the Irving negotiations? Is it them getting rid of Adam Harrington? Is it just a lack of trust in Sean Marks and Joseph Sy? Like, we don't know. And so that's the crazy part about this. And nothing new has come out in the last three weeks. That's the other thing. Like Mm -hmm. Woj came out and said what he had to say three weeks ago. Sham said his thing. And all Woj has done for three weeks is repeat the same thing using different words. Like every report on SportsCenter, it's the same thing, except he's wording it slightly different. So nothing new has come out from the Nets. Mm -hmm. Nothing new has come out from Kevin Durant. And so none of us have any 
freaking idea what Kevin Durant is thinking or what he's willing to do to try to force his way out of Brooklyn. I do think it's probably everything you mentioned. It's probably a combination of all of that stuff together and then just boiled to a point when Kyrie Irving didn't get the deal that he was looking for and the Nets played hardball with him and ended up on that one-year contract. But that's what just makes this whole thing even more insane is that as much as I truly do believe that it's we're in a dead period now and that when things pick up, a deal will get done with another team. And right now we're just kind of like in this quiet mode. But it wouldn't shock me in any way, like no shock at all, if next season after all this crap, the Nets are rolling out a lineup with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And I would say, <laughs> considering the where, considering everything that has happened in this three seasons with this team, from everything from the bubble to the vaccination issues to to the injuries to James Harden, list goes on and on. If the new twist and turn was after all that, they're back, wouldn't be stunned. Yeah. I Look, as soon as they start playing, we're all fans. We're going to root for this team as hard as possible. I would like, if they are going to have both of these guys back on this roster, some kind of statement, you know, some kind of, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we had our issues. Yeah, we're good. It would just be so weird. Let's say Durant says, I'm not talking about it. I'm not, I'm not going to address it. In fact, I'm just not going to talk to the media because as much as the Knicks have been taking heat over the last few days for their press conference with Jalen Brunson, I think in a lot of ways the Nets have done a horrible job with the media too. I mean, Kevin Durant's never made available other than to the beat writers after games. Like, I've never had him on on WFN, the flagship station for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, they're not the Knicks, but they're not great. That's my only point. So could they hide Kevin Durant throughout training camp and Kyrie Irving? It wouldn't stun me. I mean, they could they could at least try, and that would be tough. It'd be tough to go into opening night with no clarity on this. Now, again, once they tip and once they play, obviously we're all rooting for the best. We just want to see them win, 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 win. Also thinking that winning, 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 winning would cure any issues that they have with the organization. Winning cures all. But it would be really tough as a fan to go into the start of the season without anything like a, yeah, we're good. like a wink oh. and a nod. Are we going to get any of that? No. Oh, like you said before, it's, it's the complete definition of a dumpster fire. It's the complete definition of chaos and just complete clown show from the nets. If they would go into that year for everything that they had built with the culture with Kenny Atkinson and everything with Jared Allen, et cetera, Joe Harris, the whole group, this is the exact opposite. I mean, they are such a disaster of a franchise right now. It's it's embarrassing. I mean, it is embarrassing to see a team that's this talented, this much depth, this many good players to be this dysfunctional. I mean, it's absolutely embarrassing. And it's just, you know, you, I see people on Twitter putting together lineups of what it would look like when they're all together. And it's like, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, but, 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 bro, <laughs> but that's that is real. That's why, like, I can't, because I think in a normal offseason, we'd be breaking down the depth of this roster. We'd be looking at this team and the offseason that they've had, adding Royce O'Neal. What can Cam Thomas do in year two? Dayron Sharp, Kessler Edwards is back. Like, we'd be breaking this down. I have a tough time doing it right now mm -hmm. because I don't know the context of this roster. I, I'm not ready to talk about this team as if Durant and Irving are coming back. You know? Yeah. I, I, I feel weird doing that. And so it's a weird off season because yes, they've made additions. Yes. In one world, I could say they're good additions, but in another world, I could say none of this makes any sense. And Oh, by the way, and we should point it out because sometimes stories are media creations. And sometimes you look at it and say, okay, that's legitimate. When cam Thomas is lighting up the summer league and he's asked about a comment, Steve hmm. Nash made about him being more basically selfless and getting his teammates involved, and Cam gives you the biggest roll of his eyes you'll ever see, that's a problem. That's not a media-created story. No. It looks like Cam Thomas can't stand Steve Nash, and then it makes you wonder, what does Durant and Kyrie Irving think of Steve Nash? We've all been kind of believing for the last year and a half that they hired Steve Nash, that they're the general managers of the team, but now you start to question all that and say, does anybody respect Steve Nash as a head coach, including a second-year player in Cam Thomas? And Cam Thomas, to me, was a big hint more than a lot of other players because last year we saw how much of a relationship that Cam and KD built and established. 
and Kevin Durant loved bringing him under his wing and, and seeing how gifted Cam is as a scoring guard and really went and, and, and took him under. So when I hear Cam Thomas said that, the instant reaction I had was, that is exactly what Kevin Durant thinks. There is no respect in that locker room. And then it's like, okay, so if this was the guy they wanted to hire and now they don't like him, now my brain starts to speculate, Evan, because and I'm connecting all these dots from this is, did Kevin Durant want uh, Steve Nash fired at the end of the season? And Sean Mark said, no. Is that another reason why maybe Kevin Durant's upset? And now I'm doing this whole dance where I'm trying to figure out all these different possible reasons. And that's the one I came up with from that eye roll is that Kevin Durant <laughs> wanted Steve Nash fired. And Sean Mark said, no, he's not going. We're holding our ground because we're taking away the player empowerment. And that's where my mind went from that but eye you, roll. Yeah, it was a big deal. But Steve Nash, I'm sorry, Sean Marks has to understand something. And I'm I'm very mixed about Sean because I can't look past what he did to turn this franchise around. He inherited one of the worst situations in sports. And within a couple of years, they're in the playoffs and set up the fertile ground for Durant and Kyrie Irving to get here. So I, I'm always going to be... A part of me is going to be very loyal to Sean Marks and never actually say, hey, Sean Marks has to go. I don't know if I'll ever get to that day because of what he did in turning this franchise around. That I look at any bad situation the Nets would be in, even if it means trading Kevin Durant, and I'd say if there's anybody I can trust to at least lead us through this wilderness, it's Sean Marks because he's done it before. With that said, since adding Kyrie and since adding Kevin Durant and since being kind of the orchestrator of finding the right coach and putting together the right pieces around these guys, he's failed miserably. I mean, there's no doubt. He's failed miserably over the last couple of years. And one thing I defended him on was this is a player empowerment era. And you do need to get the influence of Kevin Durant when deciding who your head coach is. And that's why I defended the hiring of Steve Nash, because I assumed Kevin Durant had a lot to do with it. If Steve Nash has lost that locker room and we haven't seen anything from him over the last year and a half to say, oh, my God, he's Eric Spolster in training. But if he's lost this locker room, then he had to go. Uh -huh. And that's foolish if Sean Marks was saying, hey, we're going to put our foot down and we're putting our foot down with Steve Nash. Yeah, that's where you're going to put your foot down. Yeah, it would be an epic mistake. It would be an epic mistake. But that's what happens. It's relationships. They've known each other forever. He's his guy. And if it's all part of this, we're bringing the power back to ownership. We're bringing the power back to the coaching staff, whatever that is. Yeah, it's like, OK, Kyrie Irving, you're not getting the contract you want because of everything that's happened in the last 18 months. You guys want you want it's like you want Steve Nash fired. I can't do that. You know why? I had to go out and fire Kenny Atkinson for you guys. Now, here we are two years later and you're asking me to fire another coach. No, I'm the boss. I'm making decisions. I'm not going to let that happen. And that I think that history is in the back of ownership and is in the back of Sean Mark's mind. And it's like you fired Kenny Atkinson. I'm not doing it again to appease you. And Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving said, that's not how this works. We are the stars. You, you tipped us to a point. I want out of here. Well, the stars are right. I mean, in a lot of mm -hmm. cases, sometimes the stars are right. I mean, I, I don't look at Sean Marks and say, boy, you fired a second head coach. You've got to go. Like, I wouldn't look at it that way. I would look at it as you need to find the right head coach that fits with these stars that gives this team the best chance to win a championship. That's how I view it. I wouldn't think about how many different guys he's hired and fired it. What really scares me is I don't trust this owner. And I, and I have been believing that this owner can't wait to get rid of superstars. Can't wait. I keep thinking back to that Brian Windhorst quote that he had. And Windhorst has been very accurate so far in free agency when he said that Joseph Sy would rather have a feisty 42-win team he could be yeah. proud of than to go through what he went through last year. And yes, last year sucked. But going through what you went through last year and that means having Durant and having Kyrie Irving gives you the best chance to win an NBA championship. Mm -hmm. And for every single fan out there, not Joseph Tsai, we don't care about a team to be proud of that wins 42 games. We care about winning a championship. That's what we care about. And I, I'm not no longer convinced that this owner views it that way. And so if the owner can't wait to blow this thing up, it scares me that come October at some point, he's just going to tell Sean Marks, all right, whatever the best deal is out there, just go make it. And it scares me because what is the best deal out there? Tyler Hero and two number ones? Mikel Bridges and three number ones? Like, 
What is the best offer? And what are the Raptors offering? If Toronto's not offering Scotty Barnes, are they even offering Pascal Siakam? Are they even offering OG Ananobi? Like, what are, what are they actually offering us? And that scares me, man. Yeah, well, that's the problem, too. It's it's teams need to gut their roster to get Kevin Durant. So they don't want to gut their roster because then they're basically Kevin Durant and a bunch of nobodies. So they're saying this is the deal. And then on the net side, well, that's not good enough. We're trading Kevin Durant. I truly believe that if the rule wasn't in place with Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, that the Nets would have somehow made a deal at this point where Donovan Mitchell would be on the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant's on Phoenix, and Utah's got a boatload of picks. But because that can't happen, we are stuck. And we are stuck in a strange place where we will not find out what, what what's going to happen for a while. So, Evan, I'm going to the place right now where my mind is thinking, all right, you got Ben Simmons and Cam Thomas is in your backcourt. Let's let's see how that goes. Seth <laughs> Seth can give some shots. Like I, I can't. I'm like you. I can't. I can't go there and in my brain put these guys out there. And 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 I'm with you. The ownership's been terrible, and it's it's so disappointing that to know that we never got to see these guys play. And if the ownership decided, I'm more into making sure I have a peaceful work life balance as opposed to an opportunity to do something that has never been done for this franchise, that is a failure to the fans oh. and a serious disappointment. Now, I want to get to Mitchell in a second, because I think Donovan Mitchell is related in more ways than being that has been led on to this whole Kevin Durant situation. I'll get to that in a second. But first, because I've been fighting back and forth about this. When you go to bed at night and you think about the Nets, what are you rooting for to happen? Like, are you rooting for the run it back scenario where Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are back, even though they may not be happy? Or are you rooting for a team to cave and the Nets to make this mega Kevin Durant trade that we end up sort of happy about? Like when you go to bed at night, what are you rooting for? When I put my head to the pillow and I and I start snoozing and I start start relaxing. 100% I want Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant back. Not not even a question in my mind. Now, I don't think that's happening. And I also think they're ultimately going to make a trade. But in my head, I want to see it. I know it's been dysfunctional. I know it's been bad. And maybe Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving don't even work that great together. I don't know. I've only seen it like 16 times or whatever the terrible number is. But But just the thought of that talent together i have to see it happen i have to experience a year where the nets break my heart and it's because kevin durant missed a shot versus the sixers and not because kevin durant's on the suns and and this is a whole nother squad i know it's terrible i know someone will say something else will happen Kyrie will miss <laughs> games kevin durant will get hurt i get it but i i have to run it back because in my mind I need to see a next championship and this is the only way to get there. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think when Durant first asked for that trade, I was all about just get me the best package possible and let's move on. I think the more that this has dragged and the, the, the package that I dreamt of seems unrealistic. It has led me towards, yeah, the best case scenario is running it back because the package I wanted was Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi. And that just sounds crazy now. It, it it feels crazy. It feels like even suggesting that I'm just a wishful thinker that mm -hmm. that's not happening. The Raptors are not going to include, uh, uh, include Scotty Barnes. They're not going to include OG Ananobi. Like none of that. And they're not including picks. Like none of that's going to happen. So if the trade that we all want or each of us want, because I'm sure everyone has a different view on what they would want back in a Durant package. If that's not out there, then obviously the best case scenario is somehow them running it back and then we take our chances. The Mitchell thing is a great point, though, bro. Um, right now, forget our feelings towards the Knicks. The Knicks are positioned to trade for Donovan Mitchell. They've got yeah. an incredible amount of draft capital, even though a lot of the picks they acquired are heavily protected. They have their own picks, so they have their own, own picks that they could potentially offer. They've got some decent young pieces on their roster they could offer. Uh, right now, it feels, unless things change with the Nets, that Danny Ainge and Leon Rose are going to do a public kind of square dance. And eventually, the Knicks are going to get them. And I think they're going to get them for three or four of their own picks. 
one or two of the extra first round picks, a couple of swaps and Quentin Grimes. And then Nick fans could debate each other on the merits of it. You're going to be miserable because you like Donovan Mitchell. I like Donovan Mitchell, not just as a basketball player, but he's a diehard Mets fan and he's an awesome dude. Mm -hmm. And it's going to suck not rooting for him. I'm going to tell you right now, because I I love the guy and I'm not just as soon as he wears a Nick Jersey, going to change my view on that. I'm going to like him. I'm going to hope the team loses, but I'm never going to wish ill on Donovan Mitchell. He's a good dude. And uh, you know, it is what it is, but the Nets relation to this is fascinating. First of all, you're a hundred percent right. If the Ben Simmons situation didn't exist the whole rule of not having two of the rookie max contracts on the same roster that you acquire via trade which is an insane rule don't know why it exists but it exists we have to deal with it if that rule didn't exist i completely agree i think the nets are working three team angles all over the place where maybe the offer from phoenix works because they're going to send a bunch of those picks with maybe one of their own philadelphia's pick from 27 and send it to utah Okay, I still think they are angling that way, though. And that's why I don't think Mitchell gets traded until the Durant thing is settled. And I'll tell you why. If you go back to that draft, Sean Marks wanted to trade up to get Donovan Mitchell. He's always been a fan of Donovan Mitchell. The Nets ended up with Ben Simmons because they had to. They didn't have a choice. James Harden asked for a trade and the piece they were getting back was non-negotiable was Ben Simmons. We don't know how the Nets truly feel about Ben Simmons. I mean, publicly, they're going to say all the right things. They're going to publicly support him. But I don't know if they really love Ben Simmons. In fact, after they made that trade a year ago, we both even said, hey, it wouldn't stun us if the Nets end up trading him during the offseason. We'll see where his value is. So let's just connect the dots here. We know they love Donovan Mitchell. We've seen it. We don't know what they think of with Ben Simmons. And yeah, if they're going to trade Durant in a pick-heavy deal, is it possible some of those picks get sent to Utah for Donovan Mitchell? I think the huge key in this whole thing, and I don't know the answer to this, is what does Danny Ainge think about Ben Simmons? Does he love him? Does he like him? Does he look at him as, hey, you know, I like Quentin Grimes. I like Emmanuel quickly. I like the Nick picks. But boy, Ben Simmons is a 26-year-old star, mm. and I can help the rebuild with all those picks and have Ben Simmons. Now, if he hates Ben Simmons, then I don't see the net pathway towards acquiring Donovan Mitchell. But if they like Ben Simmons, they could get a deal from the net, some three-way deal in which they get the picks that they want, plus they get Ben Simmons. Now, do I do that if I'm the Nets? Am I blowing up Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Kyrie Irving and basically walking away with Donovan Mitchell? I love the kid, but that's not enough. I'm Mm. sorry. What does the trade look like? They could end up with Donovan Mitchell and Bridges, basically, for Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and God knows what they end up getting for Kyrie Irving. So I'm not saying it's the best scenario, but I do think the Mitchell watch involves the Nets. But it's going to take a lot of patience from Utah to see what ends up happening with Kevin Durant. Unless they could find a way to get Simmons to another team. But the problem is he hasn't played in, in over a year. Nobody knows what he is. Like you referenced before, the Nets were forced to take him back because they were dealing James Harden to the Sixers and the Nets needed the one piece back from talent standpoint, which was Ben Simmons. That's why it just feels, it does feel impossible to make that trade. And my answer to your question would be, I don't see Danny Ainge wanting a guy in Ben Simmons that yeah, has a boatload of upside, but it feels to me he is in full rebuild mode where he just wants to get massive draft capital and then tank for a season where there is high, high draft picks that can change your franchise, go that route, not have to bring on Ben Simmons and his massive contract back. Let's unload that. Let's now work on getting draft picks. Let's getting young talent we can develop that's under smaller controllable deals like the Quinn Grimes of the world where you have a guy for a certain amount of years and you believe in in somebody's growth and that's the deal to make. I, I just don't see why Danny Ainge would want him and why then now the Nets don't have a suitor for Ben Simmons and why it's impossible to get Mitchell here. It just, it just feels so difficult because Ben Simmons has shown nothing on the court. So why would any team be like, yeah, we're going to do this. It doesn't feel right. The appeal would be he has an all-star year and then you flip him. that you bring him in 
on a rebuilding team. He puts up 17, nine and eight rehabs his image. And then you flip him for three. Number ones. That's fair. I mean, I, I think that would be the way you view it, but I also don't know is, is cause I'm trying to put my personal feelings aside. Obviously none of us have a connection to Ben Simmons. I don't even know if he wants to play basketball. Donovan Mitchell, mainly just because he's, you know, kind of a New Yorker, Connecticut guy, right. Met fan, all that. I, I like him, <laughs> but that's, that's not, a, that's not a good enough basketball reason to say, Hey, let's blow no. the whole thing up and build around Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I like him and, I know that you and I like to see block the Knicks by acquiring guys that they covet, whether it was right. Vince Carter a decade and a half ago or Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but it's not a good enough reason. And so I think I agree with the first point that you made, which is that rule that mm. exists has really damaged the Nets chances in terms of what they can get back for KD and how they could have a good unit moving forward. I mean, it rules out Bam out of bio. It rules out Devin Booker, not that Phoenix was ever trading Devin Booker. And it rules out the Donovan Mitchell scenario, which I think, to your point, becomes very, very tough to pull off. It, could it be pulled off? Sure. I think it's going to take four teams, but it becomes a very difficult thing to pull off mm-hmm. because of that rule that exists. And I just don't see where the Nets are going to take their quote unquote big three, ship them all out and end up with what? I mean, what's mm-hmm. the final product in a Let's say it's Durant to Phoenix. Phoenix gives you all these picks. They give you Cam Johnson. They give you Bridges. They give you Jay Crowder. Okay, you ship some of that to Utah with Ben Simmons. Like, what is this team that you have remaining? You know, it doesn't doesn't feel like it's much. It doesn't feel like it's, you know, top half of the Eastern Conference. That's for sure. And at that point, what the hell are we doing? No, it's not. But you're right. If If that rule doesn't exist and it's normal business, you say, okay, the Nets make the deal. Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix. The Nets get Donovan Mitchell. There's probably a couple other role players that are coming along. And now you're like, okay, we got Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Nick Claxton at center. Joe Harris comes back. Okay, this is not a team that maybe is going to win a championship, but at least you could look at the roster and go, all right, this is a young team with a backcourt that's 25-26. Knock on wood. Let's pray that Ben Simmons gets his act together and comes on the court and is a good player. We know we got in Donovan Mitchell. Is he still a rising star because of his age? Okay, like, I feel like we're the Celtics of last year. You right. know, like, let's see what well, happens and see if we have internal growth, but, we, but, but that can't happen. Yeah, my dream scenario on July 2nd, going back to when the trade demand was first announced, was Barnes OG to Brooklyn. All the picks in Simmons go to Utah and you get Donovan Mitchell and you build around a Mitchell OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes trifecta and go from there. But right. It's just none of it's realistic. And that's depressing. I mean, I, I don't know what the Toronto Raptors are offering. They're not offering the full full complement of picks. They're certainly not going to offer Scotty Barnes. And so that dream scenario that, you and I texted each other with all the, the trade, you know, that trades that you can make up, yeah. you know, not even the ESPN trade machine. Cause that's outdated. There's another trade machine where <laughs> you can use picks, ah, you know, we'll put all these fantasies together. And now they're like, come on, none of that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. N- none of it. None of it. Then why would Toronto even want to do that? Like now I think about from their perspective is Durant Siakam Van Vliet. Like, is that an, is that enough? I no, know. I think I, I, I think reali- I don't even know if this is realistic, but more so realistically, it's just Scotty Barnes. And that's what you'd have to kind of press on that. You yeah. take him back a 20 year old the guy who won rookie of the year last year. You never see a rookie of the year traded. But hey, you're talking about that being the piece and everything else being filler, filler mm-hmm. picks, Barnes. Unfortunately, right. Gary Trent needs to be the filler and he's much better than that. He's better than filler, but from a salary perspective, you're right. probably going to need a contract like that. And then if you're Toronto, you have Durant, Siakam, OG Van Vliet, and that's what you're trying to win with. And that's right. pretty good. Right. But I, I totally get why the Raptors are saying, look, as good as KD is, we've got ourselves a 20-year-old rookie of the year who has superstar potential. I mean, he has that big a potential. We can't trade him. We may have 15 years of this guy. We can't deal him for a couple of years of Kevin Durant before maybe he gets miserable and demands his way out of Toronto. So I I just I don't think the Raptors are going to go back on that as much as I'd love to see them go back on that. And maybe I'm just 
thinking that because it feels as if no one's really coming to the table with that mega offer where they feel the need to offer a guy like Barnes, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. Here's the one reason I'm playing devil's advocate to my point before knowing their history and how they acquired Kawhi Leonard. And it was a team that won a championship with now an older group of, you know, those players were younger when they won, went and won the title. You know, you want to get into the, the debate of Kawhi and his prime versus Durant. But if you're say, telling me you're getting a Raptor squad that has all those pieces that already has won a championship, basically, and now it's Kevin Durant as opposed to Kawhi Leonard with Nick Nurse as your coach, I could see the argument that that team could win a championship. They could. Here's where I admit my fandom can't relate to this. This is a franchise that now has won a championship. It was rather recently. It was three years ago when they won an NBA championship off a gamble. The gamble was trading for Kawhi Leonard, and it worked, even though Kawhi didn't re-sign. I wonder if you're a franchise that just won. You're three years removed from winning an NBA title. Do you feel that same desperation and that same gamble? Mm. You know, I know as a Met fan, as a Brooklyn Nets fan, as a Jets fan, we're going to make that gamble nine out of 10 times because we're desperate. We haven't won anything. I wonder if the Mets win a championship this year. If two years from now, I'm willing to trade, whether it's my toppest of top prospects or a guy who just won rookie of the year for a superstar that's 33 years old. I don't know. I, yeah. I wonder if my mentality changes because my desperation's gone away. I just won a championship. And I wonder if you're a Messiah who's won a title. The fans don't get a decision in this, but certainly fans have an opinion. But if your view on something like this changes because you just won a championship. Yeah, no idea. But it's a great question. And, <laughs> and, but right, because the trade centerpiece is, is, a, is like you said, the kid is 20 years old. He's rookie of the year. So, yeah, you're making that trade. But in two to three years when it's over, Scotty Barnes is 23, 24 years old. And, and you know, knock on wood for if he was a net wrecking havoc on the rest of the league. And then you have to watch that. I think my mentality would be to go for the championship. But again, I don't, you know, I've never seen an NBA title, so I don't know where, where his head's at, but, and also how, where he values Kevin Durant. He might right. look at Kevin Durant and his age and what he's coming off, you know, injury prone, injury prone, and might feel differently. Now, Kawhi Leonard had all his whole other thing going on with the Spurs and wanting out of there. So there was some mystery there. So that, that had happened but much younger in more of his prime per se physically. Uh, so I could see that being easier. It might just be, you know, Kevin Durant right now, Scotty Barnes has so much more upside of 10 years. Plus it's not worth it for us. Now, anyone who knows me knows I'm a, a, a very much an anti Nick guy. I once did a podcast in which I openly celebrated watching the lottery that they lost the Zion Williamson, John Morant lottery. So I'm a Nick hater, but I really believe I've met my match. I really believe that you, Michael Jefferson Martinez Biseglia, huh. is more of a Nick hater than I'll ever be. Mm. I get the impression from seeing you on Twitter, from our interactions via text message, that you are living and breathing every Donovan Mitchell rumor, that you are rooting for somehow this trade to not happen, this inevitability of Donovan Mitchell, that when the Knicks and their organization ignore the media, you get pissed, you get angry, you want to attack them. Right. Like, I have met my match as a Nick hater. How are you feeling right now? Are you following the Donovan Mitchell thing every five seconds, freaking out and bracing for that inevitable Woj bomb? Yeah, and I, you know, I... You're right. And I think part of the, the problem is, and, I, and I'll put it on, I really think Twitter is a problem for me on this part because I now have gone full into looking at every reaction. I've, I've listened into Nick's spaces. I mean, it's not healthy and it's not good. And I'll be the first to admit, this is not a good thing. I should be doing other things with my time when I am free. And, and even when I'm working per se, like listening to that in the background, it's not good and I should get out of that. And I think because I've immersed myself in that world, which I've done for a couple of reasons too, because of the podcast that I do, I want with bad weather fans, I do want to be informed with how Nick fans are thinking, but it's gotten to a point where I probably need to step back to answer your question. 
yeah, I'll be I'll be disappointed because I th- I think as much as I, I think it was a bad look for the Knicks not to have the media there, I do think that Leon Rose is slowly building a nice team with the Knicks where if they get Donovan Mitchell, all of a sudden you have Jalen Brunson who's 25, Donovan Mitchell who's 25, RJ Barrett just 21, scratching the surface of what he can become. I think you know Mitchell at center is a good piece and and makes sense with the rest of that roster. You don't have to score. You can rebound, defend, and block shots. Like I think, which which actually kind of annoys me as I sidetrack here a little bit because I get annoyed that the media then says same old Knicks because I actually think from like a, a roster standpoint, putting together, and we don't know what's going to happen with Donovan Mitchell. The Knicks are actually pretty functional right now when the Nets are the exact opposite. Yeah. No. <laughs> Uh oh. Why? What do you What do you think I'm about to say? I don't, I don't know, but she had she had a chuckle there, so something. No, I, the, the thing that made me chuckle was yeah. The media says this. <laughs> the Nick fans versus the media is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. In fact, the other day when they did the Jalen Brunson, uh, I, I guess it wasn't a press conference. The Jalen Brunson introduction, and it was odd. I admit that like, it was just weird that. It was what's his name, Bill Pito interviewing him, and there was no media members there. I didn't really give a rat's ass, but I thought it was weird. It was different. And it turned into the media as a whole pissed off that they weren't at this media session and the Nick fans attacking the media. Nick right. fans saying, well, you guys are unfair to us. Go F yourself. And even I got caught in the middle because all I tweeted was what I think is an obvious statement, which is, What I've learned over the last few years is that Nick fans don't give a rat's ass about how the media is treated. They don't care about, you know, the media being locked out of a garden press conference. So as mad as Mark Berman may be or Neil Best may be, because Neil Best got mad at me for that tweet saying, well, if you feel that way, never repeat any information you get from Nick beat writers. All I said was Nick fans don't care that you're upset. They love that I agree with the Knicks, not that I'm offended. I don't have any opinion on the subject. I've just observed and it's working at WFA and it's interacting with Knicks fans, whether it's on the radio or through Twitter, that they don't care. They're not offended by this. They're not pissed off about this. The people who are mostly pissed off about it are media members. Mm -hmm. And I understand you don't have to be thrilled with it. You can hate James Dolan all you want, but I'm just telling you as a con. What's the word? Condesser connector of uh, Nick fans to you. Yeah, whatever it is. They don't care. They're not pissed. If anything, they're going to start arguing and bringing up examples of how Kendrick Perkins was unfair to them one night on ESPN, how Stephen A. Smith isn't a real Nick fan, how Stefan Bondi wrote something that was unfair once. That's what they're going to do. And it's sort of weird. It reminds me of politics these days. It's like, us versus the world if you're a Nick fan. And I, I kind of find it humorous. Yeah, no, the Nick fan loves the fact that the media isn't there. They embrace the idea that the media isn't involved with them or what happened because of all the crap the media has put upon the Knicks. And what bothers me about all of this on a big circular level is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy for both because the media is upset because they can't get the involvement that they want. And then the Nick fan is saying, told you so, look, this is what happens. See how pissed off they are. And everybody kind of gets what they want where the media is going, same old Knicks, same old Knicks, look at what they're doing. And then you have the Nick fan going, uh, well, we, we don't want you there because anything you say about us will be critical to begin with. And then it's just this whole roundabout thing that keeps going on and on and on. And it's just so stupid. Like, in my opinion, yeah, the media should be there. It's it's, it's a press conference. Let's go. And I had a problem. The, the, the big problem I had was the idea that this is Jalen Brunson's day. We don't want to let the media in there because we want to give him his, his, his the time that he's due. I mean, the truth of it is they use that as a shield so they didn't let the media in because the media is never in. And this was just another way to come up with an excuse for it. The, That's the, the part that really bothered me. The, the way I view this is I always try to put it in the prism as a fan. I just, there are certain times in which I need answers. Like right now, I need answers from Sean Marks. I need to know totally what the hell's going on. Like where the hell is Sean Marks? He hasn't met the media and it pisses me off. We, we've given invites to Sean and Joseph Sy to come on our show. 
And they've said they politely declined. Okay, well, I'm annoyed about that because right now I need to hear from them. We all as net fans need to hear from them. Jalen Brunson signing a contract. No one gives a rat's ass. I mean, it's not that no one gives a rat's ass about him signing, but we don't need to hear from him. What's he going to say? I'm happy to be here. I'm part of the family. Blah, 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 blah. You want to hear from your executives usually when things are going bad. And I think that's absolutely fair criticism where when the Knicks aren't doing well or Julius Randle is basically telling the fans to go F themselves. Yeah, that's the moment you want to hear from Leon Rose. And that one I totally agree with, because as a fan, I'd be angry. Forget the my battle with the media. I'd say, Leon, I need to hear from you. I'm a fan right now as a fan. I need to hear from Sean Marks. I need to hear from Joseph Sy. And they've gone radio silent. Uh-huh. We don't hear a goddamn word from them. And we're not going to hear a freaking word from them. Now, I get it. Well, what are they going to say, Evan? I don't know. I'm a goddamn customer. Tell me something. You got a lot of customers out there. They want to hear something. What's the plan, Sean? When we delve out, you know, $15,000 a year to go see this freaking basketball team, who are we going to see on the floor, Sean? Those are my questions. So the Nets are hiding from the media, too. I haven't heard a damn word from Sean Marks in months. Yeah, and I, and I like that you say stuff like that, Evan, because the Nets should be criticized also. It's been a complete, utter disaster. The truth is, like, nobody on the same front will give the net The media as a whole, big picture, isn't going to give the Nets crap. But you're right. They should. Sean Marks and Josiah has, have turned this into an utter nightmare, and it's a disaster with the help of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They all did it together, and we're searching for questions that we're not going to know. That, and that just, is, by the way, waiting. But, but bro, that is why I get why Nick fans get pissed off. And I know this is going to sound hypocritical, and you could say it's hypocritical to say this because the Nick fans will tell us no one cares about the Nets, no one cares about the Nets. And if no one cares about the Nets, then no one should care about the Nets. But this ownership group is not held to any accountability. Not one. I'm the only freaking guy on the radio calling Joseph Sy what he is, which is a guy who needs to sell the team, which is the most disgraceful owner New York sports has seen in decades. Like, I'm the only one saying it. No one else is saying it about James Dolan, though. James Dolan looks at you the wrong way. Let's talk about James Dolan. Oh, my God, he's beat the Charles Oakley. Oh, my God, he kicked the fan out. Now, this is not a defense of James Dolan. It is a point where he's held to a very different standard because, quote, unquote, no one cares about the Nets. But they aren't held to that same standard. And it always annoys me because the Nets want attention. I'll give them attention. You guys are a disgrace right now. You want attention? Joseph Sy, show up and say something one of these days. I actually have the balls to comment about how you have presided over the biggest failure New York sports has seen. I mean, I'd love to hear a comment. So the Nets don't face that same anger from members of the media, not even close. Mm. I have to be the only guy to do it. You know why? Because I'm a fan. That's why. I'm not, I'm not anything special. I'm just a freaking fan who's going to call it out. But you don't see that vitriol. Have you seen Frank Isola say anything about Joseph Sy being a disgrace? Not now, no. Oh, we haven't seen that. Or Stefan Bondi or anybody else. And I, I don't think they're afraid of Joseph Sy. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they just don't give a rat's ass. Maybe they just don't think it's a big deal. Or maybe they think Joseph Sy is a great owner, which I'd love to hear why. But we always hear about Dolan. We always hear about Dolan. I'm convinced James Dolan wouldn't have let this mess occur. He wouldn't have let he wouldn't have self-inflicted and destroyed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the same team. Say what you want about the guy. He's not nice to his own fans. He kicks people out. He's very sensitive. He's not nice to former Knicks. I'm convinced he wouldn't have let this mess happen. But now I'm all pissy. Now I'm in a bad mood again. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy to do it. Yeah, well, it's it's depressing, too, when we're having to be like Joe Sy's a terrible owner and James Dolan's a terrible owner. But let me tell you why this terrible owner wouldn't make this terrible decision in this terrible time with our franchise. (laughs) Yeah, it's a tough time to be alive. By the way, I'm with you. I don't want to see Donovan Mitchell get traded to the Knicks. Because I like Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell makes the Knicks better. And if the Knicks are better when they start winning and the gardens rocking, and then we've got to hear about how the gardens rocking and God knows what the Nets look like as they traded Kevin Durant for bridges and three number ones. uh, It is going to be our most depressing time as basketball fans, but hopefully this dance, this Danny Ainge, Leon Rose dance 
lasts a very long time, and hopefully stunningly out of nowhere, Donovan Mitchell gets traded to the Phoenix Suns. That's what I'm sort of hoping for. <laughs> uh, I think it's inevitable that he that he is that he's on the Knicks. It, it's just going to happen. And no, you- I agree. Uh, unfortunately, I agree. But I think the reason we agree is not because we're being negative, but we're being sensible. The Knicks have done a really good job of collecting these assets and putting themselves in a position to trade for a star. And Donovan Mitchell is going to become available. And I agree with you. They're going to acquire him at some point. The question is, how long does Danny let this hang out? But I do think it's going to take a while, much like the Durant stuff. We'll do another pod coming up soon. Hopefully there'll be something new to report on. Hmm. And then I guess eventually we'll begrudgingly break down this roster because they do have a (laughs) roster, which on paper could very well compete for an NBA championship. (laughs) What a time to be alive. Check out Paseglia on the Bad Weather Fans podcast where him and Alex argue and agree with each other and then yell at each other about the Knicks and Nets and everything going on in sports. And oh, by the way, I just need to get this news out there because I just read this and it was very depressing. The New York Mets are introducing theme nights at City Field. They're calling it City Nights or something like that. And it's a thing where you, if you buy a special ticket, you get a special giveaway. So, for example, they're going to have Country Night in August. If you buy a ticket, you get like a Mets country hat, right? Mm. Don't worry. This is going to a bad place, bro. I just want, <laughs> want you to know. Okay. They're having Islanders night, which I was like, oh, that's awesome. Islanders night. They're going to give away. a, uh, I think it's a bobblehead of the two mascots standing next to each other. Great. And I have confirmed. Oh, no. Yep. I know where it's going. That in August, the New York Mets will be hosting Nick's night. Ugh. It is happening. I did not see a Nets night, nor did I see a Rangers night in fairness, but I did see a Knicks night in August Ugh. and I will obviously be boycotting that game, but they picked out a great night. I think they're doing Knicks night when they play the Cincinnati Reds. So perfect mm. timing, a crappy baseball team for a crappy basketball franchise. At least they've got that going. Right. You, you know that night, Evan, once the Donovan Mitchell trade has happened, he'll be there. Ugh. You'll have to watch Steve Gelbs do the interview, talk about what it's like coming home. Then you'll talk about how he's, re- you know, oh, I'm recruiting Juan Soto. We'll hear all that fun stuff. It's going <laughs> to suck. The whole thing's going to suck. It's going to suck. Well, the recruiting Juan Soto that part will be good. Suck. That's true. That'll be <laughs> nice. Go get him. Let's make it. Let's get it done. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for listening to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.